welcome to the Sustainable Nano Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Krauss, and today we're going to offer you a little relief from the vagaries of election week with a cool conversation about nanotechnology in bicycles. I have an interview this week with Margie Robinson, who's a graduate student in our research center, and she's also a competitive cyclist. And so she's used her expertise in nanotechnology to uh, learn a lot about how these amazing nanomaterials are used in bicycles. So without further ado, uh, here's our conversation. So yeah, uh, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, so my name is Margie Robinson and I'm a graduate student at UW-Madison. This is my fifth year and uh, I work in the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology. Great. So um, can you give us an example or two of what what nanomaterials are actually being used in bicycles nowadays? A lot of them are carbon-based. Um, I think uh, th- in at least competitive cycling, the design aspects are always to become lighter and stronger, and probably with a, even more emphasis on being lighter. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of the nanomaterials right now are, at least in bicycle frames, are usually the carbon nanotubes. But I've seen more and more, especially this year, there seems to be kind of this boom of using graphene in uh, bicycle tires. And I've heard of these also being used in uh, car tires as well. And a lot of that is because of the strength aspects. Um, I think they also claim to leverage the um, thermal conductivity, but I'm not actually sure that they're doing that. (laughs) So uh, a lot of it is strength. Um, Strength with uh, the added benefit that they uh, are much lighter than the current uh, materials. So what are carbon nanotubes? What is graphene? Can you, are they similar to each other? And then, yeah, what are their properties? Yeah, yeah. So carbon nanotubes are, well, I'll start with graphene. Graphene is probably an easier idea. So if you think of uh, a layer of carbon atoms, they're all bonded to one another. Um, They're kind of in a chicken wire uh, structure. So if you took just a single sheet of chicken wire, that would be a single sheet of graphene. Uh, And then a carbon nanotube, they come in many varieties, but one variety would just be that graphene sheet that has been rolled into itself, so now it creates a tube or a carbon nanotube. And they have some pretty unique properties. I think in kind of the science fields, we talk a lot about them being used in uh, electronics and making electronics much faster and more efficient. And that's because, um, again, of the thermal and electrical conductivity across just a single sheet of atoms. But one of the properties that at least the cycling industry is working with is um, kind of their strength and the fact that they're so strong in certain orientations that if you can make a product that leverages that, it becomes just as strong as its um, predecessor, but it's much, much lighter because now instead of using a bunch of atoms to get that strength, you're using just a single sheet of that. So um, yeah, they're pretty cool. I mean, it's hard to imagine in your head what a single sheet of atoms really looks like and how that could exist, but we can do it in the lab, and as it turns out, we can use it in everyday products too. So, but how does that work in a bicycle? Like you've got, so you've got this sheet of atoms and even if it's rolled in a tube, it's still like 
nanoscale size, right? So how does that then translate into actual bike materials? Yeah, so when we talk about carbon nanotubes being used in um, bicycle frames, they're usually not going to be like a single tube sitting alone by itself within kind of a resin or or like a glue. Um, A lot of these carbon nanotubes are going to be in bundles, and that's because um, the nanotubes themselves, they like to bundle and get stuck to one another. That's just a favorable position for them. So um, when you think of them in a bicycle, you can think of them as being incorporated into the glue that holds all of those bicycle like chunks of the frame together. And because it's taking up part of the glue, it means that you can use less of the glue but still have the same strength. So um, you can think of them as being stronger because they have very high surface area, which means that they have a lot of places for the rest of the resin uh, to attach to. And that um, kind of can help with reducing the amount of glue in the first place, but also making what you have there still be really, really strong, but not going not gonna to be too brittle and break while you're riding. <laughs> that would be really bad. <laughs> yeah. So you've got these carbon nanotubes potentially as materials in the frame, and then you mentioned graphene, the single sheet for the tires. So what makes that what makes graphene good for tires? Yeah, so one of the worst things that can happen when you're riding a bike is you get a, a puncture in your tire and then uh, you can lose all the air in your tire and sometimes that can be really bad and it can cause crashes and, and when you're in a race and you are going really fast, like as fast as you possibly can and you crash, that can be a very painful situation. Um, so uh, in that same kind of uh, line of thought of making things lighter and stronger, um, you can apply that to the frame, but then you can also apply that to a tire where you want a light tire, um, but one that won't puncture. Um, and so what they're kind of doing with the, with the graphene, uh, it looks like they're taking this material and they're incorporating it into the rubber that actually uh, is shaped into the form of a tire. And um, to be honest, I, d- I don't know too much about what the structure of the graphene would be in the tire itself. Um, but because these graphene sheets, um, all the carbon atoms are bonded to one another in that uh, kind of planar structure, the um, amount of force it would take to break that structure is incredibly high. It's these things are so, so, so strong. So I think the kind of concept that the cycling industry is going for is that uh, if you had like a thorn or a piece of glass that tried to puncture one of these sheets, it's not going to be able to do that. Um, and so far, it kind of looks like that's true. I haven't ridden a pair of uh, tires that have graphene in them that I at least know of, but uh, there's a lot of excitement about it, um, that at least this year. There's been a quite a bit of marketing and, and discussion on it. So, Yeah, I can only imagine Yeah, being able to like have a tire that wouldn't wouldn't get a hole in it if you rode over a nail. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 And you had shared a, a video from one of the companies that's supposedly doing this. So we can link to that on our, um, on the podcast page. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Cause they're rolling over pins. Like you, that, that's something where I've rolled over nails and you get terrible punctures where it ruins the tire itself. Cause the hole in it gets so big. And then, uh, you have to do something called a boot, which, um, it's basically like putting a piece of material between the inner tube and the tire so that you can ride home. So when the holes get that big, it gets really difficult to get home. But yeah. 
That's pretty amazing. So, uh, so you said you haven't ridden with one of these tires. Are the how rare are these materials? Like, if I go buy my t- bike at Target, like I probably would, <laughs> uh, is that going to have carbon nanotubes in it? Um, probably not. Uh, I think right now the. At least the products that I've seen that have been marketed with carbon nanotubes or nanomaterials um, have been pretty high-end products. They've been, um, like, if you're going to go buy a carbon bike, those usually start at $2,000. So not going to buy that one at Target. But um, the tires, uh, I, I suspect that if, if the high-end market really likes them, that that um, kind of technology will start to become more and more uh, incorporated into uh some of the like commuting products where you're riding this bike every single day, you know, a couple miles to go to and from work where uh, the tires are seeing a lot of wear and tear, which I think that would be a good application for them. So if people are curious about these and if they want to look for a bike that has it, what would you say, like, how does the marketing kind of fit in with the actual science? Are there are these things clearly labeled when they're used? Or Yeah, I don't think they are. I really don't. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because... Um, so there seemed to have been kind of a an excitement over carbon nanotubes in bike frames when Floyd Landis won the Tour de France, and and that was that seemed to be a really big discussion point. And then you know there seemed to have been a lull, and maybe that lull corresponded to the cost of producing those bike frames because you can imagine the Tour de France winner is going to ride the nicest frame that that company bought or makes, and so your average consumer is not going to see that. But you know, ten years later. We're starting to see these in products that, you know, an amateur racer would use. And that's something where, yeah, they're probably much more expensive than the average person would want to spend. But that definitely means that that technology is going to kind of, for lack of a better term, trickle down into uh, more basic components. So if you wanted to go find a tire, I'm sure that you could find one in a bike shop in Minneapolis if you wanted to. Um, (laughs) I don't think that you'd find them, you know on everyone's bike immediately, but uh, I, I kind of anticipate seeing it around in the next five years out on the streets. That's that's kind of my hypothesis. So Seem to be heading in that direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because there's been some other companies that have picked up on it, especially this year, um, you know, I, I think they're, the cycling industry is borrowing quite a bit from the auto industry, and the auto industry has started incorporating them as well. Um, so that's... Uh, that's something to kind of, if you want to see what cycling's doing, look at auto. But yeah, I think um, I think we're probably going to start to see tires more than full bike frames at kind of the average cyclist level. And then the other thing that they've started doing is using them in lubricants. So um, lubricants on chains in particular. And the idea there is that um, these particles in certain orientations, they can act a little bit more like ball bearings than they would like an actual piece of dirt. If you kind of connect particle with dirt, don't in this case, because um, <laughs> they, they become pretty slippery, especially in certain solvents. So when you're lubing your bike chain, they basically just allow all the parts to move smoothly over, over one another. And it honestly is it seems like a pretty expensive way to lubricate your bike chain, but they sell chains uh, right now that are on the market that have um, a carbon-based uh, nanomaterial that is a lubricated chain. So... Yeah, can save you a couple watts, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I'm not so sure I believe that one, but you never know. 
Yeah, I guess it, yeah, but if you're doing the Tour de France, I guess a couple watts can make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So can you explain a little more why the nanoscale aspect of a carbon nanotube or graphene, why does that matter? Why does that make these things stronger or um, more flexible or whatever than something that's at the micro scale, right? Like what we think of as sort of normal microscopic. Right. Carbon particles, yeah. How, why? Why is nano special here? I think the the biggest uh, aspect of nano that that the cycling industry is le- leveraging is uh, it's really a surface area uh, argument because um, a lot of the kind of binding aspects of like incorporating the nanoparticle into the resin to use it as a glue, that high surface area of a bundle of carbon nanotubes lets that resin really impregnate into the carbon nanotubes and then that all sticks to the rest of the bike components and so I think the surface area argument is a good one and it also plays to the fact that the high surface area means there's a really high reactivity so um, the the particles are really they're really likely to touch other things because they're very small. They have a very high surface area. Uh, so it, it's a good design, intentional design, um, I think. If I was designing a, a bike, I would probably incorporate carbon nanotubes into it, just knowing what I know from the science and from the cycling side. Um, the graphene argument in, uh, in terms of strength, I think is a really good one from a fundamental point of view. Um, and it's kind of the same idea. You have these, the sheet of carbon atoms that are all bonded to one another. And those carbon atoms are, because they're only one atom thick, the highest surface energy is at the edges. Um, and so that allows them to bind to fellow particles making kind of a protective sheet and preventing punctures in that way. And I think that that's also a good argument. I have some skepticism on whether these are actually nano sheets in the tires themselves, um, because from kind of a laboratory setting, it can be really challenging to handle nanomaterials in kind of that uh, single single layer of carbon setting. Um, but even if they aren't, they they still have that high surface area and can be incorporated into uh, the existing materials that they make these tires out of. They could probably leverage some of the properties of that. Got it. So even if they're not technically like whatever below 100 nanometers as is the definition of, of nanoscale, right, uh, right? Then they're still they still take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, some of those characteristics. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Do you have any races coming up? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's cyclocross season. Um, So uh, there's some muddy races because it's been very rainy in Wisconsin lately. Um, And yeah, this weekend there's a race up in Manitowoc. And uh, I think in the next couple of weeks we'll have a Halloween-themed race. We'll all get dressed up in Halloween costumes and race our bikes around. So Fun. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, no worries. All right, that's it for this episode of the Sustainable Nano Podcast. Thank you so much to Margie Robinson for doing the interview with me. And thanks, as always, to our funding agency, the National Science Foundation, which provides grant support for the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which, of course, produces this podcast. We have our usual disclaimer. All opinions and thoughts expressed on the podcast are those of the speakers and not of the National Science Foundation. 
Do you want more Sustainable Nano? We've got a blog with now over 200 posts at sustainable-nano.com, which you should totally check out. We've also posted show notes for this episode of the podcast and all the others at sustainable-nano.com slash podcast. You can find all the episodes of the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and at the NSF Science 360 radio channel. We would love to hear feedback from you. What do you think of the podcast so far? What do you want to hear from us in the future? Uh, Please reach out to us through the website at sustainable-nano.com or on Twitter, Facebook, or Pinterest at Sustainable Nano. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.